electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, one year of remote work and how we're going back. Dr. Scott Gottlieb with the safety factor and the timeline. I think you guys might be back in the studio sooner than you think this summer. CEO of staffing firm LaSalle on what our employers will be asking of us. The majority of companies were saying that they're going to start one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. The hybrid model is really, are they going to have ongoing three days in the office, two days off? And last but certainly not least, Dion von Furstenberg, fashion designer, icon, and author, on how this pandemic has changed the way we dress to impress ourselves. You own your imperfection, they become your asset. You own your vulnerability, it becomes your strength. So own it. There's no time to blame, to shame, to complain. We had to own it. Plus ARS on DVF. You'll hear that only on this podcast. How much time do we have? (laughs) The wrap dress is still iconic. It's Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I even got my socks on. Green socks. Wow. Those were too close to the camera. They look like size 13. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. St. Patrick's Day. Oh, you got green on, don't you? Forgot. I do. Or is it purple? Forgot. No, yeah, I I got, it green. I've got green going. I got it's a, it's gray with with green lines in it to celebrate. You've got green on. I could have easily done that. I could have easily. Maybe I can find. I could have easily Look. done that. I totally forgot. I even got my uh, socks on. Whoa. Uh, green socks. Wow. Those were too close to the camera. They look like size 13s, and I know they're not. Um, (laughs) They're not. Be careful with that. But yes, Um, camera's awfully close. You know, I wore an orange tie one year because I'm clueless, uh, and I got so much flack. That's like some, I don't know, even know what it means. It's like uh, Protestant. I don't know. But but people thought I was sending some message. What's red? Am I in trouble for red? Can you find me a green tie? Mm, I don't think so. No. no. Yeah, there's um, probably a green tribe in there somewhere. You know what that means? It's exciting. It means corned beef and cabbage, uh, maybe. We usually make that. Uh, I like the corned beef, not, not the cabbage. Not the cabbage. Though. Me the too. The cabbage doesn't like me. <laughs> me too. Uh, if you know what I mean. You know, anyway. <laughs> uh, I do. I'm really sorry that I'm sitting so far away from you this morning. We're scouring this place for a green tie, if you can believe that, because I don't need the aggravation of... Uh, Forgetting, which I, I can't I remember everything else. I remember Ladies Heart, oh, Heart Disease Day. I remember Spirit Day. I remember. Can't believe I forgot. I did. I'm human. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot. And then I remembered uh, right at the beginning. I can't believe Sorkin remembered. When you remember, um, uh, you know, you did. Did someone remind you? How do you How do you remember, Andrew? How did I? I have a calendar. You must not hear anything I say. You know, (laughs) Becky, did you see that? He must not hear any. He must just be waiting to read or so. Are you practicing or? I thought you were talking to me, I think. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you how 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 because the leprechaun actually paid a visit to our house this morning. What's that? The leprechaun paid a visit to our house. The leprechaun paid a visit to our house. There's glitter everywhere here this morning. No. You didn't actually (laughs) see him. If you see him, I think something happens. Nope. You get his gold or something, right? 
No, I didn't see him, but he left green pee in the toilet, and there's glitter he, everywhere. He left what? Wow. I didn't know about that. The toilet's green. Is that a, he left green pee. <laughs> you did say that? Oh, yeah. She, she did. Got, right. She just got a, right, he had some asparagus, vitamin deficiency or something. Uh, how did you remember Sorkin? Calendar. You looked at the calendar. I looked at the calendar. I have a Google calendar, and I, it shows and all of the different holidays and different things. It shows people's birthdays occasionally. I was looking at look my in phone the morning? morning long. I didn't. Uh, I know. I look at. I usually look the day before what's going to happen the next day. I knew it was That's coming. Usually, because it's food yeah. related, so I knew it was coming. I was looking forward to it, but but then I I forgot. We're working on it. March 17th isn't just St. Patrick's Day. It also marks one year of a fully remote squat box with three anchors in three separate locations and podcasters across a few states, thanks to a phrase we all know too well, social distancing. Who would have thought, right? About a year after the world changed due to the public health emergency and the economic response to the coronavirus, we're taking a look back. Here's what this day in 2020 sounded like on our TV broadcast. Good morning, I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. We're together in spirit, uh, but we are now coming to you from separate uh, locations. Uh, as you can see at the bottom, Casa Kernan, Casa Quick, and Casa Nasdaq, uh, with, uh, which is now Casa Andrew, at least uh, for, for the time being. It, that was March uh, 17th, one year ago, and we've had different permutations of, of where we've been. Um, yep, we moved around a little bit. Moved around. I was in the. I was upstairs on an iPad for a while, then a camera, then downstairs with with the camera at home. But but mostly here uh, at the Nasdaq. But when I went on vacation a couple of times down down to Georgia, when I came back, I wasn't. I had to quarantine for for two weeks. Went three times and had to quarantine for two weeks each time. But what I was surprised at was it was March. Remember, and and I, I I've said this before that I was. At that time, we were thinking, let's just get through March and move on to April when this thing starts you know, going away and, and we can get back to normal maybe in April. Came back here April 20th to the NASDAQ, and it's going to be a year uh, of, of yeah. having, which is crazy, uh, of being back here uh, even. That's, um, you guys, uh, it, no one knows necessarily where you guys are. And I see some guys at night, some friends of mine that work at other networks, and I know Sometimes they're in Florida. I just know. I know them, and I know where they are, but they never say it. And it looks like, oh, look, they're right in the studio in New York, and they're not, uh, <laughs> right? But you guys, I mean, that's fine. You guys look look fine w- where you are, yeah. right? The lighting it's is worked. good. We've, I, mean, I, I, I have to say I've actually been shocked at how well it's worked. I, I would not right. have guessed it was possible. Well, we, and now we have that capability to, and it, sometimes it is good if, uh, I don't know, on a snowstorm, a snowstorm. big snowstorm, yeah. you, you can stay home. The Times Square reopening indicator, uh, which we've looked at a few times, um, <laughs> we haven't seen a lot of progress, <laughs> but that's, uh, that, that's long ago, and, and that's the day. I can tell you it's a little bit better. There, there are people out and about and walking around, and it's a little bit better, I think, in, in, in Times Square. But we've had that discussion, does New York come back, and it will. It will, but it's going to it's going to take some time. Uh, Andrew, do you have you been 
Have you eaten indoors yet, Andrew? I've, I've eaten indoors a lot. I, I know you don't think that's smart. I'm not but, an uh, indoor eater yet. Eating indoors. Gonna, when, when I get vaccinated, I'll become an indoor eater. But for right now, I, I eat outside a lot, and happily so. Eating a Waffle House in Virginia. So there are different states are different in terms of. Uh, and, and I tell you, most of the time, the restaurants have done a lot. They've done a lot in terms of no one's near anyone else. Everybody's wearing masks. And uh, uh, I know we've had that had that discussion, actually. But yeah, I've been out. I, I think I'd be climbing the walls like Becky. You haven't been out yet. You every you've cooked every meal. You're a good cook now, right? Yeah, about 370 days. Well, I don't know, relatively speaking to where I was, sure. <laughs> In terms of your, uh, of, of how good you are. All right. Joining us now yeah. um, is someone who's been with us almost daily uh, for the past year, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former uh, FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor. He also serves on the board of Illumina and Pfizer and uh, Doctor, we can we can comment on on what we were just speaking about. I want to talk, obviously, about AstraZeneca, because I think we're moving in the right direction here. I, I third, what is it, 37 cases out of 13 million? And nobody likes those 37 cases. But I tried to do the math on how many people if, if 13 million were not going to get covid, how many lives do you save versus the 37? Uh, that, that died from the blood clots. How many would be expected to die from COVID out, uh, out of 13 million? You could make a case that it'd be, it could be a pretty large number compared to 37, right? Yeah, well, backing up to your earlier discussion, I think you guys might be in the studio, back in the studio sooner than you think this summer, so we'll see. Um, because of look, the, the uh, Yeah. Well, because of, the, because of the vaccines and because of a declining case count, although, again, New York City, if, if there was two parts of the country right now that look a little bit concerning, it would be New York City and the upper Midwest. Um, look, AstraZeneca has been very particular how they've wanted their data presented, and their CEO has been as well. So I'm going to reserve commenting specifically on their data and just say that um, I think that the Europeans probably needed a better approach to how they how they judge uh, overall clinical data and the side effects that they're accruing right now, both with respect to the AstraZeneca vaccine, but also all the vaccines. To see countries by countries make individual decisions like that and not see the EMA step in earlier, the regulatory authority, um, I think they need a better process in place for how they're going to adjudicate these things. But over here, you, so you're getting, you have, have gotten much more optimistic just in the last 10 days, two weeks, doctor? About here? Well, look, I, th I think it's the same trajectory. I, th I think you're seeing declining cases around the country, even in the face of B117. I mean, the concern was that as B117 became the prevalent strain, and it's now becoming the prevalent strain, we'd see sort of a fourth wave. People were saying that. Um, I think you're seeing B117 become epidemic in Florida and California, but you're still seeing cases decline. So what it's, what it's suggesting is that the combination of prior infection, the fact that we're vaccinating aggressively, the fact that we're entering into warming months in some parts of the country right now is enough to overwhelm B117, at least for the time being. We might see a backup. We might see a plateauing before we continue to see declines. But I think we're going to see declines around the country. Now, the, the two parts of the country that are a little concerning now are New York and the upper Midwest. New York, I've talked about the, the mutation there, the variant that's circulating there. We don't really understand it, 1526. 
And in California, the variant there was just upgraded to a variant of concern by CDC. So there are some variants in the U.S. that are a cause for concern. I'm particularly worried about the 1526 because we don't understand it. We don't have a good gauge of what the prevalence is. And at least half of those infections have that same mutation that's in the South African variant, that 44K mutation. We don't really know whether or not that's making it more pathogenic or infectious, but, but it's in there. And that's a cause for concern because we know that that mutation could potentially pierce prior immunity and perhaps make some of the vaccines less effective. So it needs to be looked at. I don't think that's the reason why New York is sort of plateauing and we're not seeing the declines there that we're seeing in other parts of the country. But it could be one reason, and we need to understand that better. We will be able to manufacture next generation vaccines in years to come to deal with either uh, outbreaks, uh, reoccurrences, or some new variants, do you feel? And will we be able to make enough supply to forever keep this at a low level? Or because it, it won't be new to us then, and we, we've done it before, and, and, and we probably have the technology to, to uh, upgrade the software, if you will, of, of the vaccine. But will we ever get caught totally flat-footed and, and have to start from scratch in terms of production of vaccine? Or can, do you think we can handle it every year? Well, with respect to the coronavirus, I think that the mRNA platform turned out to be an optimal platform. And updating the vaccines using that platform is pretty much plug and play. It's not like manufacturing a new flu vaccine where you have to get the flu strain to grow in cell cultures. And sometimes you can run into problems with that. You should be able to tweak the mRNA sequence, tweak the protein and effectively fit it into the existing manufacturing platforms, both at Pfizer and Moderna. And both companies have built out substantial manufacturing platforms at this point that they continue to invest in. You know, there's no guarantee that the next pandemic that might be with some novel strain of bird flu or something unexpected um, is going to be amenable to an mRNA vaccine. We may need a different platform to deal with a different kind of virus. This mRNA platform turned out to be very suitable to a coronavirus. It could be that it's, there's reasons why it's so well adapted to a coronavirus and it's not going to be as well adapted to a strain of bird flu. We just don't know. So that's why I think it behooves us to invest in um, complementary platforms, protein-based vaccines, the viral vector vaccines that you see J&J working on, and the old-style inactivated virus vaccines. I think if we're taking a strategic approach and trying to place a lot of chips to guard against the next pandemic, we want to have capabilities to scale any one of those platforms. I'm just wondering, Times Square, New Year's Eve, will that happen again with concerts? Will that... I was watching something the other night, and it was a crowded airport, and no one had a mask on. And, I, I mean, I was even nervous. It was on the TV, and I was nervous for the people that were there, surrounded, you know. In, well, I'm not in, longing. You're I'm not, not longing, longing to be in Times Square on New Year's Eve, but I, I do think we'll be in, on the beach on July 4th. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. I know. I just wonder whether we ever really do get back to where you're packed into a place and not thinking about the person being next to you having germs, because that's we're all in that, in that mode <laughs> were you, right now. Were you ever packed into a place not thinking about the person yeah, next was, to you? <laughs> I was. I was. I got three dogs. Okay. I, don't think ab- I don't think about germs, believe me, very much. But I do. But unfortunately, we do now. <laughs> anyway, Scott, um, thank you. Thank you. And I, and I hope you're right. And, Thanks and, a lot. All right. See you later. We're going to get you a green tie and uh, we're going to go to break. And we come got back, one. maybe you'll have a, a different. One. Oh, you got one. So got here. one. Yeah, There's going to be wait. a costume change, Joe, between yeah, this commercial and the next commercial. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to do it while like we Superman. were. Like Superman. 
Yeah. Next on Squawk Pod, in addition to that costume change, of course, the return to office life with Tom Gimbel, CEO of staffing and recruiting firm LaSalle Network. As we get to lower unemployment and companies are hiring more now than I've ever seen in my 25 years, is it an employee market? And will employees leave if they're asked to come in too often? What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning. Happy happy St. Patrick's Day. Welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. Joe's got his green tie on. The rest of us are decked out in advance. I'm Andrew Osorkin, Becky Quick, and Joe Kernan. What's with the jacket, Sorkin? Is it green? You know what? I never have gotten a chance to wear this jacket. Is it green? It's a green. Can you see? It's a it's a green. It's green. It doesn't come across as green enough on the on the screen, but I I, I've been, I haven't gotten to amortize this blazer ever in my life, and it's a green blazer. I've never worn it. And I thought to myself, this is the day. You just, any excuse to put that jacket on. I, I, you just don't like the shirt. This, this is a 25-year thing on Squawk Box, Andrew. You, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to, to somehow get around that. Even, even a on couple times time. a year, you could, you could dress up. Right. It's a holiday. All right, guys. Companies, as we all know, are preparing to bring employees back to the office. According to a new survey of more than 350 executives, 70 percent plan to phase employees back in. Seventy seven percent say they think their workforce will be a hybrid model with a portion of in office and a portion at home. And a majority say they do not plan to mandate employee vaccinations. Joining us right now is the man behind that survey, Tom Gimbel. He's the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network. That's a national staffing, recruiting and culture firm. And Tom, overwhelmingly, companies are saying they're going to bring people back, but they are also saying overwhelmingly this will be a hybrid model. What does that mean? Does that mean one day in the office or four days in the office? Well, most importantly, Becky, they're going to be phasing people in. So they'll start, the majority of companies were saying that they're going to start one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. And then the hybrid model is really, are they going to have ongoing three days in the office, two days off? And what most companies are really trying to figure out is if everybody's in for the same day to have that synergy or if you have it shifted. Obviously, if everybody's in on the same days, you can't lower your real estate footprint. And those are the challenges that companies are facing right now. Yeah, there, there's a lot of logistical issues that, that you have to start thinking about. We mentioned in the intro that most of them will not require a vaccine coming back. Yeah, most will not require a vaccine. Over half said they're not going to require a vaccine, which is a really interesting dynamic because usually with any sort of of medical situation, you have HIPAA violations and, and what you can or can't do. But with COVID and the vaccine, you know, it's really up in the air of whether companies are, are can mandate people getting the vaccine in order to re-enter the office. So there's still this kind of uh, middle ground of not knowing how things are going to pan out from both a legal standpoint and a legislative standpoint. I mean, I guess part of that is because these vaccines are still under emergency use authorization. That's not the same as a full-on approval from the FDA or someone else. What, what other sorts of issues 
I mean, a lot of time is being spent on these logistical issues. You think it's really other issues that the companies need to think about and haven't yet. What is that? Yeah. Two of, two of the top issues that companies are worried about are number one, re-entry and onboarding of employees. So getting them from going from working in a really quiet space, usually in their home, to now being in a lot of companies where open offices and bullpen environments were the norm. And then, and then number two is there's really looks like a lot of CEOs and heads of HR that we were talking to that they came back and said they're very worried about the conflict between management and staff over what's appropriate to come back. And is it? And as we get to lower unemployment and companies are hiring more now than I've ever seen in my 25 years, is that employ, is it an employee market? And will employees leave if they're asked to come in too often? And what the fear is? And then the last issue that the survey showed is that for people in major metropolitan cities is that they're afraid of commuting on public transportation. So what's a company supposed to do about that? It, it, it seems like if you're in New York or San Francisco or L.A. or one of those major metropolitan areas like Chicago, how do you get around that? You, the entire reason these cities have been set up this way is you have to rely on public transportation. Well, there's got to be a trust. And I think that that's what's been lost over the last few years and hopefully is starting to come back is there has to be a public-private trust between our citizens and our government that what they say they're doing, they're actually doing. And we're seeing right now in major metropolitan cities that we work in is that actually public transportation, some of the cleanest areas uh, that people are, are taking, but there's fewer people. And what? do you want to be sitting when next to somebody? When's the last time you were on the New York City subway? I know. Like, <laughs> sorry, but when's the last time you were on a New York City subway, Tom? When was the last time anybody was on a New York City subway? And I think that's the yeah. challenge that we're talking about, right, is getting people back on and, and what we're doing. I mean, we're in Chicago on, on St. Patrick's Day, by the way, happy St. Patrick's Day, that, that is usually this place yeah, is going crazy. Day. Now there's nothing. There's nothing going on. Those are major issues. And we've got to figure out of how we get people downtown again. And the, the real challenge facing uh, CEOs and, and corporate teams is it's not always what the employee wants that's best for them. And I'm not and I'm not an anti-employee thing. This is this is really a new era that we're facing. But sometimes people do want to be told, what do you want me to do? If you give everybody the option of eating pizza and having ice cream every night for dinner, most people are going to take it. It doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. What we've got to do is tell these employees, you're coming back four days a week, five days a week, three days a week, and get your company doing for what the CEO and leadership feels is best for the long-term interest of their company. I, I understand that entirely, and I get it, and I think it's probably decisions that will have to be made at the top. But Tom, you're also talking about decisions being made by people who never use public transportation. The, the, the people who are making these decisions have cars that drive them back and forth. They don't have to deal with the same sort of things. How can they be a little more empathetic to the employees that will be dealing with those things? Becky, our, our congressional leaders never fought in battle and they send people to go overseas and fight in wars all the time. I mean, you're talking about challenges <laughs> and issues of leaders, of leaders telling citizens what to do since the do history of Do what I say, country. not what I do. No, I, I'm not saying Good that. Good luck but I'm with just that, saying, Tom, especially in an employer's, in an employee's market. This isn't the, my point was, this is not a unique situation of people being led to do things that are there. The, the biggest issue is if you can get a vaccine and if the vaccines are readily available. And when you can go into Walgreens or Costco or wherever and get a shot in your arm and do it, we're in a different playing field. And we don't know if that's going to be the end of April, the end of May, end of July, of when anybody who wants a shot can get one. 
But that's the challenge of, of what's going on. And, and quite frankly, it's not just CEOs of multi, it's not just Goldman Sachs and Facebook of people that are getting in limos. There's also CEOs of $500 million companies, $100 million companies, $50 million companies. And especially in a city like New York, those people have taken public transportation. So I'm not sure I 100% agree with you. We've got to get out of the Fortune 100 and look at the majority of companies that are, that's where the job creation is, that's where entrepreneurs lie, and those people are side by side working with their employees. Right. Hey, Tom, what are you hearing? And I've just started, it feels like it's just starting to percolate this conversation now uh, about, oddly enough, testing all over again, which is to say that businesses which have clearly made the decision for legal reasons or others, which by the way, I should say, I, I think I disagree with, not requiring the, the vaccine, as a, mandating the vaccine to come back to the office, saying and talking to um, uh, healthcare leaders saying, you know what, this fall, this winter, and we've heard from people like Dr. Scott, Scott Gottlieb, like that things may get more complicated actually uh, come the fall, come the winter uh, in some ways, even, even with, the, even with uh, the mass rollout of vaccines. And you're starting to hear companies say, you know what, we actually might do meaningful testing if we're gonna bring people back to make them feel more comfortable, uh, in part because children, at least through the fall of, of 2021 uh, into the winter, are unlikely to be vaccinated, which means that you're gonna have kids not vaccinated, but you'll have adults vaccinated, but that means that COVID's still gonna be uh, part of our experience. What are you hearing about that? Yeah, the, the biggest thing that, that is this overarching situation is the child versus parent and where they're going to be going and then what's required. But to, to directly answer your question on testing is that what companies are waiting for is how and where and when can they get rapid test results? And if it becomes that it's very common for companies to be able to get the 15 minute saliva tests, I think those are going to be the game changer. When every company has those stacked up like tissue boxes behind the receptionist desk, then we're in a whole new situation. I think that I agree with you, Andrew, from the standpoint of that companies should be able to mandate getting vaccines the same way our schools do with children re-entering to make sure that they have their shots sans religious reasons. And that's just an evolution in where our government is going to lead us and what they're going to allow, both from a legal standpoint and what they're going to legislate. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us today. I think this is going to be happening and uh, we'll continue to watch what happens and have you back to talk about it. Thank you. Tell Joe, go Buffs. Go Buffs this weekend. <laughs> Uh, 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 that one of the many games he may uh, be watching. I, I might not have taken him, uh, Tom. I, 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 is it Georgetown? Who are they playing? It's Georgetown. Yeah, no, I can't. I, I, I no took him. No loyalty. I took, uh, yeah, I know. You can. Maybe, you can. Maybe, I'll do another, maybe I'll do another bracket and put him on another bracket. But I just watching that, watching that run, uh, Georgetown's run. The la uh, I the, agree, but the, from one buff to another, we got to stand behind him. You can't bet with your heart, man. You can't. Uh, I've learned. I try, I've tried that. Um, we'll see. Tom, I, I may thanks. reconsider. Thanks for having me. Next, Dion von Furstenberg, the iconic fashion designer on Reflecting the Times. What every brand has to do is go back to their core and make sure they focus on what differentiates them. You need clothes that are in your closet, that are your friends, that you go to because they make you feel better. And real pod talk, what we'll be wearing. There's going to be this massive peacocking thing going on where people are going to get dressed to the nines. Roaring 20s. 100%. Squawk Pod, back after this. 
Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Hey. Hi, how are you? Good, hold on. I'm going to get you a better mic. That should be better. And I'm coming to you from my closet at home, where, to be honest, there are a lot of work clothes hanging up that I haven't touched in about a year. I checked in with Andrew Ross Sorkin about how we're dressing these days and our next guest. I want to talk about what people are wearing these days in remote work. I've, I've barely put on a dress in a year. What, what are you yep. putting on every day to go to work, Andrew? So I put on basically the same thing and I get um, slammed on Twitter for it. I basically wear, <laughs> I, ha- I, I wear a blue shirt every day. I do have, it's not that the same, I'm wearing the same shirt, just so you know. I have probably 20 or 30 of the same shirts now or similar shirts. They have marginal patterns that don't seem to show up on TV particularly well. But I'm just wear, I typically wear my shirt with the shirt sleeves and um, a tie. I try to keep track of which tie <laughs> I last wore. These days, and this is the laughable part about this, during the show, I wear mm-hmm. these Lululemon ABC pants, which sort of look like real pants you could wear with a blazer or a suit, or not a suit, but, and they kind of work. Occasionally I have this one pair of, of, of Waray, is that what you call it? By the way, they run ads now on CNBC. I just I, got a pair yesterday of those, I loved them. Yeah, what did you so think? Vori, Vori? I have the, like the cargo, and they're not cargo pants, like with cargo pockets, but they're sort of like army looking pants or something. I don't know. And I have a pair, I have two pairs of shorts. Love that stuff. Found it on an Instagram originally, by the way. Yeah, same. Occasionally I'll put on a blazer if I'm on um, like a Zoom conference call or, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly on these, you know, participating in different conferences now and other things that are going on online. So oftentimes I feel like a, a coat or jacket looks better. Oftentimes, typically without a tie. Sometimes I do a little pocket handkerchief kind of situation to give it a little zhuzh. But that's about it. Well, we're all wearing much more casual things. And like you described, I'm in my slippers and Lululemon pants all the time. Diane von Furstenberg made her name dressing one, two, maybe now three generations of women for work, for professional adult life. Tell me about her as an icon in the fashion industry. Well, I mean, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> the wrap dress is still the, perhaps one of the most iconic, I- iconic pieces of fashion started in the 70s, but people are still wearing it. My wife 
has lots of these dresses, loves these dresses. Mm -hmm. And I think that DVF came to symbolize um, both a fashion icon, but really almost a female leader um, over these last, you know, 30, 40 years and has become a mentor to so many people in the fashion industry and an icon even beyond, frankly, the fashion industry. And so, um, you know, whether, whether it's gonna be the wrap dress that's, that's the new popular thing or what were we talking about? Um, these these uh, statement, statement sleeves. sleeves. Well, statement like you were sleeves. saying, you're doing so many more virtual events, meetings over Zoom and right. Teams and WebEx and all this stuff. And people are seeing very different parts of us than you do when you see somebody face to face. Right. Person. It's just the shoulders. So that's why I'm always changing up the blazers. I'm looking for <laughs> I'm looking for blazers with um, either patterns in them now or a little texture. Or that's why I try to get the little pocket handkerchief to stick out a little extra. Dion von Furstenberg said something today that really struck me about dresses in your closet should be old friends that you can go to no matter how trends change, no matter how fashion changes. I sit here in my closet doing this podcast every day, looking right. at my DVF dresses that are, are old, not very familiar friends right. <laughs> these days. What do you think people will go back to? We're talking so much about reopening uh, the CEO of The Gap said recently around that company's earnings that they're sort of banking on a peacocking effect, that we're all going to get so tired of our joggers and yoga pants that we'll be in, you know, ball gowns and, and three-piece suits in a couple of months. What do you think? So I think it's going to be this, this fascinating combination of things. I actually imagine that when people go out and socialize, there's going to be this massive peacocking thing going on where people are going to get dressed to the nines. Roaring 20s. 100%. Work, I think, is going to be, dare I say, more complicated because some people are going to be at work actually in person. Others are going to be virtual. Some people are going to be at work, but virtual, meaning they're going to be sitting at a desk somewhere, but they're going to end up actually in front of a laptop with a screen. And they're going to end up sitting in one seat basically all day, almost as if they were home. So they're going to want to be comfortable. So I'm not sure the full peacock effect is going to happen at the office. Actually, I think there's going to be this sort of like office casual, cool office casual thing that people are going to try to strike this, this balance. And I think also people have been so, uh, again, so used to, you know, sitting, sitting at home in their sweatpants that, you know, it's going to be tough, I imagine, to be wearing high heels all day, right? I mean, I think there's going to, that's, so. I don't even know what those are anymore. You know, and so <laughs> I think it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be fascinating to see, to see what, what people do with all of this. Yeah, I, I think Diane von Furstenberg has, is, is the first one to call it statement tops, Zoom tops, and it's a whole new, a whole new consumer, a whole new world. And, you know, we're all going to have to own it. <laughs> Joining us right now is a leader in the retail industry, a fashion icon, happily I can say a friend. Dion von Furstenberg is here, founder and chairman of DVF. She is the author of a new book. You got to go out and get it called Own It, The Secret of Life. Hopefully she'll provide Who us died? with some of those secrets. What'd you say? What'd you say, DVF? Secret to life. Very different. The secret to life. The secret to right. life. 
Um, help us here understand what the future looks like. Give us the secret to the future and the, the secret to the future of life uh, in terms of fashion for a second. I think we're all trying to figure out what the new normal is going to look like. Are we going to go out in peacock or are we going to be uh, wearing sweatpants? I don't know. I mean, it all depends what we do. I mean, for sure, because we spend so much time on Zoom, you know, people, ma you know, what matters a lot is what you wear on top, you know. Um, and uh, two things happened in during this pandemic. On one side, we all appreciate nature a lot more. And on the other side, we belong to the, we've accelerated to the virtual world. And uh, so we're being pulled between those two. And what will we do in between? I mean, what what is the office work going to be like? None of us really, really know. And uh, how will we dress? Well, we want to dress definitely comfortably. I think that colors, I think that more than ever, I mean, for me, I've always put the woman before fashion. So it's focusing on what she wants, where she wants to be, and uh, giving her fresh, beautiful colors according to your mood so that you don't look the same on Zoom. So, you know, you obviously uh, created uh, what is now the iconic wrap dress. People are talking about, you're talking about statement sleeves. That's, that's, that's the new piece of this, right? <laughs> Well, statement sleeves, you mean there's a lot of sleeve? Well, there's a lot of statements top. But the truth is, you know, the top is always more important when women dress. Because I always, I used to say always to designers, when a woman goes to dinner with a man, she goes to the bathroom, all she sees is between here and here. So that's always the most important thing. But what is the most important thing is, um, how she feels, you know, I mean, the secret of the wrap. I mean, if you looked at a little wrap dress, it doesn't look like much. Oh, what's this dress? But when a woman puts it on, it immediately awakes her body language. And at the end, there are certain things you remember about a woman is her uh, eye connection and body language. So one of the things that was interesting, pre-pandemic, Retail was struggling. I think it's not unfair to say that, yes. even though the yes. economy was getting better. And part of the, the view was that, that people were spending more money on experiences. They, they were more interested in spending money on experiences than clothes themselves. Do you think right. that changes in a post-pandemic well, world, or do you think that accelerates? Well, experiences, there was a lot more travel. I mean, travel clearly slowed down for a while, for a moment. So I think that now people are, I mean, decorating their homes. Anybody that is involved in home decorating has done well because you spend so much time in, at home. So it's, you know, fashion is always a reflection of its time. And we had grown so much, there was so much, so much more new, 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 more new. I mean, obviously it was bound to happen in any case. And this just accelerated. I mean, this pandemic that was completely unexpected, just, just you know, um, made things happen that would have happened anyway. And that's what happens during, uh, you know, after an earthquake. And basically this is like an earthquake. What about uh, selling itself, meaning the retail store, which of course fell out of favor for online. Then there was the move towards, you know, the rent a runway kind of thing. And I know that you 
got involved in that business, that kind of business for, for a while, subscription business. What do you think that whole world looks like when this is over? Um, I think they will still be a little bit of everything. I think that my, you know, what every brand has to do is go back to their core and make sure they focus on what differentiates them. And I think people will, will, will not, don't, won't have the verge of changing, changing, changing all the time. So that's why you need clothes that are in your closet, that are your friends that you go to because they make you feel better and they make you right. appear fast and quick in, 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 in the world. So it's, it's a change of society. None of us can predict where society is going to go. Um, let's talk about the book for, for a little bit here because uh, it's a fascinating it? book. But it's a, there it is. Um, you said it was cathartic writing this book and cathartic doing so in the middle of the crisis. What do you mean? Well, first of all, uh, uh, they approached me, the publisher approached me to do this. It's these small books that are like guidebooks. They are very gift-oriented. And they said, you know, people quote you all the time. Would you give us a book of quotes and, and you know, your wisdom and blah, blah, blah. And it is true that I have reached the age where, you know, it's time for me to use my voice, my experience, my knowledge, my connection in order to help other women and and uh, so I had create you know when I first started people said um, what did you want to do when you grow up and I said well I didn't know what I wanted to do but I knew what kind of woman I wanted to be I wanted to be a woman in charge and then they say who do you dress and I dress always the woman in charge but what does it mean to be in charge well to be in charge is not aggressive it's really a commitment to yourself it's owning who we are you own your imperfection, they become your asset. You own your vulnerability, it becomes your strength. So own it is really, I realize, and especially at the time of pandemic, that there's no time to blame, to shame, to complain. We all have, we're facing the situation. We had to own it. So I made this little book and I started as a prose, but it was boring and condescending. So I did it as a dictionary. And I picked 268 words that spoke to me. And uh, sometimes it's a definition. Um, sometimes it's an anecdote. But it all brings us to the, the fact that the only secret to life is to own it. Whatever I love that secret to life. DVF, yeah. uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, go out and get the book, own it. Um, Thank you. It's for women and men, by the way. I, I, yes, I, yes, I, there, yes. There's a lot of secrets in there. That's right. And it's great for your employees. Fair enough. It's great to see you. Hope to see you in person very, very soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. We glossed over the whole thing Becky said this morning, which I almost want to have kids again to be able to put green pea in the toilet. On Have you heard of that, Becky? I mean, did, did, how many times I have you? I didn't do it. The leprechaun did it. I understand that. I understand that. I mean, I'm only too happy to make it look like Santa ate some of the cookies that we used to leave out. I was always, I, I'll stay up a little later. I'll handle that. Get the act. So the, you the stole realistic. Santa's cookies. Yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, no, but you need to look. Make it look like he ate some. Did you use dye, Becky? Is that what you food coloring or something? What did? What did? I mean, okay. Never mind. They might what? be watching. Uh, yeah, you need to, to text I me on how it. you. What a great idea. A leprechaun, though. Joseph. Joseph, a leprechaun came to her house 
And Santa also came to her house. I don't know what you're talking about with all okay. these other things about food dye and eating the cookies. I've never heard of these things before. Okay. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Subscribe to and share Squawk Pod and let us know your thoughts, how you listen, how you'll be dressing if you're facing a return to office life, or just say hi on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. And may the road rise to meet you. Hopefully, it'll take you right back here tomorrow. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador.